Welcome to the Are You Future Ready podcast. Are you curious about technology, innovation, and how you can stay ahead? Then you've come to the right place. In our series, we tap into the minds of people behind innovation. This podcast is brought to you by LR's Product Development and Innovation Center. Hi, I'm Linda Garib, Director of Brand and Communications at Walters Kluwer, based in New York City, and your host of the RU Future Ready podcast. Today, we'll talk about innovation, trends, and tips on what you can do to become future ready with our guests, Antonin Fari, Business Development and M&A at Walters Kluwer Legal and Regulatory, who is joining us from New York, and Andres E. Sadler, CEO of Global Business Services at Walters Kluwer, who's also joining us from New York today. Welcome to the podcast, Antonin and Andres. Thank you. Thank you for having me on this podcast. Great. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, One of my favorite parts of the podcast is to hear about the unique career journeys uh, for each of of our guests. Uh, Would each of you share a little bit about your background before we get started and what you do in your current role today? Thank you, Linda. Uh, After obtaining a degree in systems analysis in Argentina, I came to the U.S. to study computer science at Tufts University then developed software for hospitals for a couple of years before going to Harvard Business School. After Harvard, I went into general management consulting. First, I joined Booz Allen and Hamilton, where I was a principal in the media and entertainment practice, then joined Accenture, where I was a partner working on strategy and performance improvement, both in the US and in Latin America. I joined Walters Kluwer as the head of strategy a little over 17 years ago when Nancy McKinstry was starting as the CEO. And uh, about a decade ago, I launched an initiative to increase WK's innovation quotient or IQ. As part of this effort, I launched WK's Global Innovation Awards which now celebrated its 10th anniversary. And uh, six years ago, I became the CEO of Walters Kluwer's Global Business Services. And um, just to give you a quick overview of what Global Business Services does, uh, uh, GBS is responsible for WK's internal technology infrastructure. Our focus is to drive our digital transformation while delivering savings to WK. So this is Antonin Fori. I uh, started my career as a management consultant after graduating uh, with a degree in computer engineering in France. Um, and uh, one of my last assignments as a consultant uh, made me realize that I needed extra education in business uh, to further advance my career. So uh, I attended Booth Business School, where I graduated with a degree in finance and accounting. And I have since worked in uh, various m capacities. First, I started as an associate in banking before switching to corporate development uh, roles. I joined Walters Kluwer about five years ago, and so for those who are not familiar with corporate development, uh, corporate development is the internal MA function of companies like Walters Kluwer. And um, the way I describe it to my mom is I essentially work as a project manager with experts from different functions, you know, IT, HR, legal, and so on. 
to put together financial and operational plans to invest in companies and operate them successfully. Uh, so in my current role, I support the legal and regulatory division for all acquisitions, partnerships and divestments, and uh, you know worked on a couple of acquisitions over the years, including uh, Enablon, um, Legisway, Evision, uh, most recently Advocate Central in the Netherlands, or the divestment of, of ComplyTrack, just to name a few. Great, thank you both for that. Um, Want to just start off uh, pretty broad, uh, and if you could just share with us, you know, what is the first thing that comes to mind when you start thinking about innovation? To me, innovation is about focusing on the customer. Uh, Satya Nadella, Microsoft CEO, puts empathy at the core of innovation, and I believe that that is exactly the right way of looking at it. It is all about addressing the pain points of the customer and only in some cases by applying new technologies. I do believe that the most meaningful innovation starts by seeking to create a delightful experience for the customer. And many times when I'm discussing about this, I compare a great customer experience with that of reading a book. Because when you're reading a book, the words and pages magically disappear in front of your eyes and one is transported to a different reality, the one that is described in the book. And uh, only when you get two pages, for example, stuck together, one is suddenly staring back at the words on the physical pages of the book. And I believe that that is very similar to what happens with good products, good innovation because it works as an extension of one's mind. And uh, one of my favorite examples about this is, for example, Uber, uh, where innovation was not the right itself. If you think about it, Uber is about transporting you from one place to another. And yet the innovation came from creating a seamless end-to-end experience from the time that somebody orders a ride, sees how those little cars are on the map and uh, how close they are to picking you up to automatically afterwards charging you and uh, sending you an invoice by email with the trajectory of uh, that, that you wrote. So it's a great point. I never thought about it that way. But uh, so for me, the first thing that comes to mind is that innovation is uh, endless and perpetual cycles that is always improving upon the previous cycles of innovation. Um, you know, I, I certainly do believe that innovation is an absolute requirement to remain competitive in the business world. And, uh, you know, I always say that, you know, if you can keep up with innovation, uh, competition will uh, force you out of business. Makes a lot of sense. And uh, Antonin, what role does M&A play in innovation for companies? Uh, a lot of times we think about innovation as something that's happening organically within companies. But can you explain to us a little bit the role of M&A? Sure. So, you know, m and can play various roles for business and, uh, you know, innovation is certainly one of them. Um, innovation m and or, you know, maybe you would call it growth m and is really about capturing growth opportunities that um, I guess you cannot or do not have time to build yourself and to get a competitive advantage or create value for the customer. Um, but m and can also play uh, many other roles, right? Like 
for instance, uh, consolidation, you know, which is really about getting scale while managing your cost, or even talent acquisition, where, for instance, you will hire a team uh, with little interest for the actual product or the underlying business. Um, talent acquisition is less uh, common in my experience, particularly at Walter Skluor, uh, and we do a lot of, you know, a mix of uh, innovation m and and consolidation m and what are the differences uh, between maybe the approach or the thinking around M&A with startups versus kind of more more mature businesses? Yeah, so yeah, it's a good question. So the, the main difference between a startup and a mature business, in my view, is that the startup hasn't necessarily figured out uh, its business model. And so what I mean by that is that usually the startup has an innovative, an innovative product or service but hasn't necessarily figured out who the customer is or maybe what the value is or what the revenue model is, you know, how they're going to make money. Whereas on the other end, uh, a mature business has refined its business model in all categories. They understand the customer, they understand the benefit of the, the product or service, they understand how to create value and they have optimized how the revenue works and how they make money. And so, you know, very different application. The risk for a mature business is that it can become so risk averse to change any of those parameters, uh, you know, for fear of cannibalization of its existing business, for instance, that it might not seek to innovate as much as it should do. Uh, and, you know, as I just said, if you can keep up with innovation, competition will force you out of business. And because of that, I tend to believe that MA is probably less relevant for startups, but very, very important for more mature companies. Got it. And one last question here for M&A. I mean, we've seen COVID-19 really disrupt uh, many industries, disrupt the, the way we work, so many things all around. Um, what's What's been the impact of COVID-19 in relation to M&A activity? So, you know, M&A goes really hand in hand with the health of the economy. And so what I mean by that is that if CEOs are confident and the economy is booming, you can bet that M&A activity is going to be booming as well. But on the other end, if you have a lot of uncertainty in the market, uh, M&A activity will just stop. And so, you know, logically, because of the COVID impact, um, you have seen uh, a drop in M&A activity overall in 2020. But the good news is that as the world sees, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, um, actually you see a lot of deal frenzy that has really picked up in the fourth quarter and obviously primarily in sectors that are resilient to the virus, uh, you know, such as technology or healthcare. Um, you certainly see this in the market and, you know, the valuation of stocks if you follow that. Uh, and, you know, stocks that actually have benefited from COVID um, have been doing great. I mean, Zoom, you know, is the obvious example uh, that everybody um, is familiar with, but you have many other examples, um, you know, internet services company, digital payments, cybersecurity, just to name a few. Uh, in our markets, at Walter Sluor in the legal regulatory division, I, I, you know, I think COVID has just further accelerated the trends that we have seen developing over the last few years, uh, which is, you know, integration of point solutions, uh, productivity improvement, virtual and remote work, um, you know, certainly areas for M&A interest uh, for us that we continue to follow. Thanks, Antonin. And uh, Andres, um, we hear a lot that productivity and innovation levels have held steady, even as the pandemic uh, lingers on. Um, do you think that this trend will continue? At least that is what our own internal surveys indicate. Uh, the vast majority of our people report that they are as productive or more productive than before. In fact, 
uh, our employee engagement scores have improved significantly during the pandemic and are currently far exceeding high performance organizations. So uh, I believe that this is because there are significant efficiency gains from less travel and commuting. And just as we discussed earlier, technology has made possible to redefine how we work. I think that we will see a lot of mixed models between the old way of working and pure remote uh, work from home. I think that you will see this uh, pandemic accelerating some of the trends we had seen before. Is there anything else you've seen besides working remotely? How else innovation has reshaped how professionals are working today? AI is beginning to be introduced in products at a faster pace, uh, significantly, in some cases, reducing the time our customers spend on some tasks. We have been including that in our products. And uh, you see also AI or robotic uh, process automation or Internet of Things, virtual reality, analytics are all changing the way in uh, the very nature of our customers' businesses and uh, their own value proposition. Uh, some of the activities are replaced by technology, so they need to shift their own value added somewhere else. And as a result, uh, this creates a lot of opportunities for us as a company, as well as some challenges of having to really redefine, reshape our own products and services as our own customers' professions change. That makes sense. And, um, you know, we, we tend to hear about all of the good things around innovations and uh, get excited about um, a lot of the new ones. But what are some of the biggest pitfalls for innovation that people should keep in mind? To me, uh, the first one is focusing on the application of a new technology instead of the customer's pain points, as mentioning before, right? Uh, because frequently companies try to apply a new technology that is invoked. They want to come up with an AI-based product and they start with the technology instead of starting with what the customer needs and then looking at, hey, what are the technologies that I have available to address those needs, to uh, address those pain points? And the second thing is, uh, confusing a good idea with a good business. And so it's not only that you begin to explore new ways of doing things, but you really need to understand the business model, the economics, how long it takes or you expect uh, that it will take for customers to adopt those new products. And so you can project it uh, uh, appropriately and see what the investments that you're going to have to make uh, make sense. Another thing is neglecting a profitable core business uh, while developing new products just because the new business is more interesting, attractive, or it looks more like you think the future will be while most of your economics are still coming from your existing business. And uh, sometimes companies go too fast and neglect a, a, a very good business that they are depending on. I could not agree more with Andres. I, um, you know, customer strategy execution are, um, you know, the main pitfalls. Um, I absolutely believe that uh, you know successful innovation is about execution of a well-managed process. 
Um, it requires to successfully deliver on many dimensions that Andres just uh, highlighted. And I think that's really what makes innovation management so complex and challenging. So in both of your roles, um, you hear a lot of pitches. Uh, so uh, Andres, you probably have a lot of technology companies that uh, want to uh, partner with us. And Antonin, on your end, you're probably hearing a lot of pitches from startups that also uh, either want to partner with us or potential M&A targets. So the question I have for you is, you know, innovation, like you said, can sound all really exciting, but what are some of the questions that one might ask companies to, you know, go beyond the surface, go beyond the initial, you know, glossy PowerPoint to see, you know, are they really innovative or are they just saying the right things? An M&A process, um, you know, it's a very rigorous process. An M&A diligence process uh, focuses on uh, three things. Understanding the risk and opportunities of a given business, quantify those risk and opportunities, and create a financial plan to inform us on the value of that potential investment. And so how do we go about that? Um, so usually, um, you know, it's a bit of a common process for every um, opportunity that uh, comes my way, but we'll want an initial product demo and a meeting with management to understand, you know, product fit, uh, business drivers, uh, customer value creation, and how that applies in the Walter Square world. Um, we'll want to analyze the market, including the size, the growth, the competitive trends, the key players. Um, we'll want to review, you know, sales KPIs, uh, customer satisfaction surveys, you know, NPS scores are a great example, uh, great tools to support that analysis. And finally, I'll uh, work with our technology and HR teams to develop a view on technology quality and talent. As we move further into our diligence process, the more details we will get until we leave no stone unturned. Well, uh, to me first uh, is you need to assess the inherent uh, uh, vendor risk, uh, making sure that the innovation does not come at a cost of their financial wherewithal and that you are linking your own products or adopting a technology that is going to have an impact on your business. Um, you need to also evaluate their value proposition and understanding how that technology will either augment the value that you can provide to our customers, so providing new services, provide enriching the experience, or whether it will be a technology that you apply because it can reduce our overall cost structure, the, the value proposition for us as a company. So many of us have heard that with all the disruption around COVID-19, you know, companies are facing an even more accelerated pace of change. Uh, what advice do you have for companies looking to increase that pace of innovation? So I'm, maybe it's my engineering background, but I'm very big on, you know, uh, scalable and repeatable processes. And I really do believe that if you can implement that, that's how you're going to be able to um, really improve your pace of innovation. So what I mean by that is I, I think first you need strong project management to deliver a business model. And uh, what I mean by that is really manage your constraints of, you know, resources, times and quality on the various components of a business model. Um, so think about it as, you know, project management with multiple work streams without necessarily having a very clear 
picture in mind of what the end goal is. And so what you need to answer is, you know, um, you know, how do you recognize and recognize uh, and promote you know, an innovative idea or opportunity. Second, um, and Andres mentioned that earlier, but do you have the required technology um, to be able to uh, deliver that opportunity? And if you don't have it, how do you secure it? Third, um, you know, what is the market feedback? What is the demand? And is the market even aware of that demand? Uh, because if it's that innovative, um, you know, think about iPhone, right? Uh, um, before that, I don't think people even realized that they, they did uh, mobility so much. Uh, fourth, um, how will you manage that change and educate the customer? You know, again, if they are not aware of it, you need to think about that. And fourth, a uh, uh, fifth, sorry, um, uh, do you have the people in the organization to be innovative, right? Do you have the talent and do you need to build it? That's right. You should have targets as to what part of the portfolio you want to come from innovation, horizon one, horizon two, innovation, and um, really making sure that you manage it the way that you would manage a sales pipeline, the way you would manage an operational excellence pipeline. And also uh, what other companies have done is looking at innovation, not only just from a product perspective, but innovating across all aspects of the company. So this is looking at operational improvements. It's looking at business models that are new to the market or how you go to market. And so really thinking through uh, what, uh, what you could innovate in each of the aspects of your business to accelerate innovation. Obviously, one big component of innovation is the people behind it. And, you know, I wanted to uh, just kind of switch gears a little bit uh, and talk a little bit about what is one thing that you wish you had known when you began your career? To, to me, you know, I think it's important to be an expert in a given field, but to be effective and impactful, I think it's far more important to be an effective communicator and a leader. And so being able to connect with people, to explain your vision and highlight the positive change that will come with it is what creates an impact. And so being knowledgeable is great and necessary, but work on your delivery. And I just cannot understand this enough. And I wish I had known this when I started my career. Something that I tell my team is that the answer is not the answer, but that the answer is the organization. Um, as I mentioned before, I started my career as a consultant and I used to put all my energies on applying analytics and arriving to the most accurate answer for my customers. And what I saw over the years is many of these answers uh, or recommendations were not implemented. And sometimes I would see uh, years later that those uh, same uh, type of, of uh, things that I had recommended uh, were implemented with great success by other companies. And so I have come to realize that it is very important to spend time gaining the buy-in uh, from the organization 
One thing we hear a lot about, I mean, similar to how technologies uh, get replaced and have a, a short uh, shelf life, and so do skills. Uh, I think uh, they said like 50% of the skills you have today might be useless in five years. So one of the things that is clear is that we all need to become continuous learners. How do you continue learning? How do you stay on top of the latest innovations and what might be coming? You need to learn how uh, to develop an ability to connect the dots, um, you know, of things that you read. And so the way I go about it, me personally, but I think it's, you know, just uh, very common for everybody. Uh, but, you know, I read a lot. So, you know, I spend a good amount of time reading news, books, anything that captures my attention. Um, you know, I get daily newsletters and alerts from different websites of news. Uh, you know, usually reading the headline is sufficient to stay updated and it's free. You know, you can um, subscribe to your Wall Street Journal or Bloomberg newsletters and you'll get a summary of what's going on every day in the business world. Um, a great tool for me that I would uh, recommend is Feedly. Um, um, so it's uh, an RSS reader where essentially you can, um, uh, it's free, where you input all the blogs that are interesting to you. So I have a curated list of blogs that I follow on topics of personal interest or markets that I follow. And so instead of going to, you know, 25 different blogs and taking a lot of time, you get everything condensated and aggregated into one page and you see everything, all the posts, and you can click on whatever is interesting to you that you can read. Um, from time to time, I take online classes, you know, Udemy or Coursera are good, um, offer good selection of different stuff. They are reasonably priced. And finally, for those who, you know, spend uh, time outdoor, like running, hiking, or and so on, uh, you know, podcasts, audiobooks, um, YouTube interviews are, are, you know, great resources as well. Before I let you guys go, uh, what advice would you give to our listeners about uh, becoming future ready? Uh, I, I believe that becoming future ready doesn't happen in a vacuum, that... Uh, Becoming future ready means becoming intimately familiar with what new technologies can do so that you can apply them to solve the more pressing issues and opportunities facing your customers so that you can relate them to that. And, and to do that, you need to remain curious, you need to remain connected to all different types of sources from blogs, publications, information services, anything you can get your hands on, uh, conferences, vendors, colleagues, and see how you can uh, get ideas that you can bring back to your business. For me, I think um, it starts with a honest understanding of yourself or your business and your goals. And so without that, you don't have a reference point. So. To me, the key word is to be honest about yourself and do not lie. Um, and so to me, becoming future ready is a matter of constantly adjusting yourself against your environment and external events that happen in your world in relation to your own goals. And so what I mean by that is that, you know, you need to ask yourself where you want to be in, you know, two years, five years, 10 years, whatever is your time frame, and consider what are the potential trends or events that may impact your situation or your environment. And then have a hard and honest look at your skills and weaknesses and define your plan to build upon those skills and address your weaknesses. And revisit that plan, you know, regularly. 
assess whether you're on track or not and whether you need to readjust or you know pivot as we say in the business world it will lead to a natural self-improvement and future readiness for all events of your life great well on that note thank you both so much for joining us on the show today and uh, we look forward to having you back again soon thank you thank you Thank you for listening to the Are You Future Ready podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode and make sure to subscribe to our Walters Kluwer channel on SoundCloud.